This is a podcast from SPH Radio. Generation Gap with Elliot Danker. Hi, I'm Elliot Danker, and welcome to Generation Gap. We've got different generations in the workforce now, so it's important to understand how to work with each other better. Well, this podcast deals with the various issues that different generations face in the workforce, things like needs, goals, and managing conflict. This episode, I speak with Elizabeth Fitzel, Managing Director, Asia Pacific at Sterling Risk. Elizabeth, thanks a lot for coming back. Oh, my pleasure, Elliot. So we're going to talk about creating opportunities for cross-generational mentoring. To start us off, two-way mentoring. I mean, does it actually work? And my question really is, how often do people go to work and search out a mentor? I get the impression people go to work, they try to, you know, get the work done, get the paycheck. But how often do people search out mentors? How often do they search out pillars within the workforce to help them grow and progress? And on one hand, I don't think people have to find a mentor. I believe mentorship is a relationship that can happen gradually, where you and a colleague can learn from another. However, I do feel that today's multi-generational workforce offers significant benefits in terms of the range of experience and creative problem-solving skills they can harness, and that we should optimise this opportunity with documented mentoring programmes, because I think they're a real value add to create a clear path for all generations and indeed all groups. Um, I think when we talk about mentoring, if we look at even from the first day in a company, I really believe in a buddying system where you actually have somebody who can show somebody the ropes. Because isn't that the fundamental of mentoring? Is showing somebody how to make their way, how to progress. So some people will proactively search out mentorship. They will proactively search out allies. And that again is around the personality type, more so than the generation they come from. Um, But I do firmly believe in mentorship and forming structured mentorship programs, starting from day one, even with a simplistic buddy system. Okay, I want to get your your opinion on this, and I'll admit this is a bit of a curveball, uh, but for someone who's working the resource of human beings to work with people, right, do corporate organizations tend to leave out military structures? What I mean is how useful would these military structures be? For example, in a military setup, you've got a team of, uh, say, anything between five to ten, and someone one or two years older than them is leading this small group, and then groups of 10 people, maybe groups of four times 10 people. You've got someone who is one or two years older than the average age leading that bigger group and so on and so forth. Um, is Or do military setups, can they play a part in corporate structure? Can they play a part in helping to enhance corporate structure perhaps? Absolutely. I mean, for me, the best way to, to bridge generation gaps is, is to bring them together. So you embrace different styles of thinking, different ages, um, different stages in their career, because your older generation of employees can show younger ones the ropes, which is what we're talking about in terms of that buddying system. Um, And then younger members who are more comfortable with technology can show older generation employees how to use some of the new tools. So if I look in terms of how we would accelerate someone's learning curve, Absolutely. Those small groups where it's safe to ask and to learn, I think are key. Here's another one. As managers, right, 
how important is it for us to look at our entire setup and then start to plan and seek out uh, mentorship opportunity? I mean, where do you even start if this is something that's so important? I think the first starting point is literally is a, a clear is a clear policy. I think that what you need to have is a diversity and equality committee. You need to basically have a group who are diverse in nature. Ideally, they'd be made up of volunteers who really are committed to collaboration, to learning and to growing from others. I think your committee needs to meet regularly to discuss ideas, to increase diversity and promote equitable hiring in the organisation. We can only have diversity in an organisation if we're hiring diversely. So, for example, we need to look at where we're hiring from to ensure we actually do that cross-section of um, across generations. I mean, your millennials are going to easily apply via social media, not necessarily your baby boomers or your traditionalists. I think you have to have definite goals and set strategies around the goals. Like, what are you trying to achieve from this mentorship program? It's very important to write or to rewrite a company equal up equal employment policy. Again, I'm going to go back to deliberate recruitment for new and open positions. I think that you need to train current employees on diversity issues in the workplace, to train your employees about the differences or the potential differences in generations, and then the differences in our communication styles. I think very importantly, it's sometimes perhaps that we don't want to, it's a little bit about, you know, when we're talking about feedback, it's about, it's, there are positive and negative plus and minuses. You need to set consequences for unacceptable work environments. And then we need to really create environments that encourage open communication and candor, because this is the basis of effective mentorship. So this topic of diversity is something I feel very strongly about. And safe to say the past couple of weeks or even a month-ish, we've really seen this come right to the forefront with the whole Black Lives Matter movement. It's still ongoing. Questions about why certain communities don't get opportunities. One could argue it's because of educational opportunity or educational qualification. Um, for hirers, is this a case of going back to school, going back to the raw basics, reformulating? You know, do you really need to question a person's education or experience? I mean, and I mean that rather because of this whole work from home scenario that we're in right now. You know, it's possible. It's been done. Take, for example, a lady and I've and I've heard such real life cases. A lady goes for a job interview, gets asked, oh, You've just gotten married. Are you planning to have kids? When are you planning to have kids? And that affects whether they get hired or not. In today's day and age, because so much can be done remotely, this shouldn't be an issue anymore, right? I mean, they are all really interesting questions. Absolutely, how we hire really needs to be evaluated. And in particular, Elliot, when we look at some of the, the methods of pre-screening that have now become automated, where when we look at that whole education piece, that we're actually just automatically filtering out people because they haven't reached a required level of education. And I think that sometimes that we're assuming that, oh, well, we're using this education level as a means to screen and to minimise 
the number of applications that we have to review. So in terms of how we recruit, that's absolutely, you know, a, a huge topic in today's AI machine learning society, whereby we were creating algorithms, which, and back to your point about, you know, females may indeed be used to actually call out certain groups pre-interview. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a huge topic. So that whole how. I also think too we've got to look at where. Because back to my point again is, and this is more in a generational rather than a, a, a race, you know, it's about whether we communicate whether we actually advertise. I mean some people still read papers. Traditionalists and baby boomers may read papers. That could be a way to advertise. They mightn't have Instagram, they mightn't have Twitter, they mightn't be on Facebook. And more and more companies are advertising there. Also, too, in terms of, I suppose, um, publications specifically aimed at diverse sections, what we tend to do when we advertise is just to advertise in mainstream, you know, communication media. We could be looking at where, because I think fundamentally is if we look at where, that's how we reach our audience. And absolutely the other component is then is that when we reach our own audience, how? Wow, then maybe perhaps we have to go really further back to the whole screening process. How do we, you know, what do we look out for when we hire a person? Actually, uh, on the note of uh, generational equality, in your opinion, is there any way that we can enforce generational equality? I, I find it, it's quite irony when we talk about enforcing equality. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's almost like a bit of an oxymoron to me. Look, I, I think the reality is that you have to create the structures that actually can provide us all with the ability to not get trapped in our own biases. Because, Elliot, I think that how we are brought up, where we are brought up, and the times that we are brought up in, we're basically all have unconscious bias. And what we need to do in terms of enforcing equality within the generation gaps and within the workforce as a whole is just to make sure that we have very clear policies and procedures. And those policies and procedures have to tell us how we do things, why we do things, and again, really importantly, Elliot, the consequences of not doing those things. When we have the policies, when we have the processes and the consequences clearly articulated, we then need to make sure that we are publicising those, that we are showing this is the way we work as a company. This is the way our ecosystem works. It all goes back to science. Every action has a reaction <laughs> then. Absolutely. Every action does have a reaction. We, listen, we, we've covered, we're covering so much and we're going to so many areas. We're going to science, the military. <laughs> No, but it's true, right? I mean, if you think about it, you mentioned at the start, sometimes you need a committee, you know, to really look at the different opportunities and sort of uh, this committee would have different backgrounds, different needs and whatnot. It would be a representation of cross-generation, right? Uh, So you have that in order to determine what's best for the employees in the entire setup. Uh, To be fair, it's no longer about what fulfills a job scope anymore. It's more about what adds value these days, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, and Elliot, interestingly enough, you know, several surveys have shown that while the world on an intelligence basis, our intelligence is growing, our creativity scores are actually decreasing. And in a world where more than ever, 
What we really now need is to be harnessing the creativity of people. We more and more need that diversity because as more and more machines can do the mundane work, can do that kind of, you know, just work that one can learn verbatim, there is a, an increased need for what only human diversity can bring, and that is creativity. The, the funny thing is, we keep talking about this, and then it comes back down to education, or should I say the right kind of education. Take, for example, myself. Um, back in the day, it was all about getting a particular grade, moving on to the next level and whatnot. When I walked into law school, I was told, welcome, it's all problem-based learning here. Basically, we give you a problem, you go research the case law, you go search the res relevant statutes and figure out how to argue the cases. So I spent, what, three, four years trying to figure out the law that way. But when it comes to retention, I must say it's quite effective. Uh, uh, if, if you ask me, it's, it's an excellent way to, to, um, to learn rather than be given answers. And also, too, if one is doing that problem solving in groups, because again, I suppose what I'm going to go back to is each of us have unconscious bias and we have, in order to cope with our worlds, categorized. And sometimes our categorization helps us move quickly. Our emphasis on past learning helps us move quickly. But also what it does is creates real blind spots for us. And sometimes as we progress, those blind spots become wider. But if we have diverse work groups, and in particular around generations, around different races, different ethnicities, I think the diversity in that and the synchronicity that you can get from that diversity is really what will help organisations to win because it helps a human to develop. And if I help a human to develop, I help society to develop. It's definitely a lot to take away. I've been speaking with Elizabeth Fitzel, Managing Director, Asia Pacific at Sterling Risk. Elizabeth, thanks a lot for taking the time. Thank you for affording me the time, Elliot. Generation Gap is a production of SPH Radio. It's hosted and produced by Elliot Danker. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and streaming on Google Home. Listen to more of our podcasts at sphradio/podcast. And if you have feedback for us, send it to podcast at sph.com.sg. 